back to COVID quarantine with Lily. We have spoken a lot about the logistics regarding the coronavirus pandemic, but today we're going to delve into how the virus has highlighted crucial problems with the individualist mentality the United States holds as a country. We'll talk about problems, solutions, and actions that are being made to shift the perspective of society on the conflict between individualism and collectivism, while weaving in current events regarding the pandemic. After this, we'll conduct an interview with Professor Megan Shaughnessy of the History and Politics Department of Regis University, asking how her work has shifted due to this pandemic. Before we begin, there are a few key terms from the Business Dictionary we need to define. First is individualism. This is the belief that the individual or a single person is more important than society or a community. Collectivism is a belief that opposes individualism, that society or a group of people can do more good and thus is more important than the individual. A free market is the unregulated relationship between consumers and producers. Capitalism is the belief that individuals should have access to ownership of certain aspects of a market, as opposed to increased government influence. A government are the leaders who have control to influence a society or group. Today we'll look at a Vox article called The Essential Worker Revolution of 2020 Will Not Wait. This article explains the tendency for the U.S. to prioritize working alone over working together, therefore attempting to make a substantial change by oneself. But the article explains that there are critical problems with this mentality. Substantial change can only be made when people work together, and the idea of individualism is not sufficient to solve global crises. First, the author explains the United States' appreciation of individualism by referencing heroes of the country. The article writes, American identity is deeply rooted in individualism and freedom. In Protestant settlers' belief on a personal one-on-one -on -one relationship with God, and the American Revolution's nominal ideals of a land where all men are created equal and the lowest born can rise to the top by their own merit. They don't need help. They're self-resilient. Most of all, their heroics are solitary. They're alone. This excerpt effectively summarizes the individualist agenda of the United States, explaining that all of the memorable figures of the country's past have acted alone, as opposed to in a united society or group. The author mentions these examples not in an attempt to diminish their importance, but rather to set the framework and context of what mentality the United States supports. This excerpt is extremely important to consider because it demonstrates the long-standing belief of individual in individualism in the country, proving it is difficult to overcome and change. After explaining this, the author turns to the current coronavirus pandemic as an example of the negative consequences of this individualist agenda. The author states, this is what no society looks like. And it's not just ugly, it's a death cult. There are no free market solutions to a pandemic. There's no free market answer to climate change or homeless 
sickness or the rise of new germs that shake off our old antibiotics. If there's no society, there are no solutions to humanity's looming existential problems. There's only the grinning skull face of eat or be eaten capitalism mounting you're on your own. In this passage, the author references the free market as one of the indicators of an individualist agenda. The author explains that the free market, which prioritizes competition and the economy, may falter in some areas, particularly those we are facing today. While the free market may know how to create a society of competition, it does so while often ignoring the prominent problems facing society. The author explained that this is a consequence of individualism, since the society causes people to focus on themselves and their priorities without also contemplating those of their peers and society as a whole. This is an important passage because it explains one of the two major negative impacts of individualism, that it cannot sufficiently work to solve large-scale problems. Another consequence of individualism, aside from the fact that it provides no real base to solve global problems, is the fact that working alone can never initiate tangible change even when people wanted to. The article states, I recently wrote a book that's critical of the company Amazon, and I sometimes get asked why it's listed on Amazon, or often sheepishly, if it's bad to buy my book through Amazon. The answer is that it doesn't matter. Amazon and other business titans are just too big to be affected by individual consumer choice. It's like a gnat biting a kraken. The only thing that could rival the power that corporations have amassed is everybody in a country speaking together as a voice of a government saying, we'd prefer that workers not be treated this way. In this quotation, the author explains that working alone to solve problems won't create a real difference. Only working together can do so. Thus, if one wants to make a change, they must turn to collectivism and the creation of a true society to do so. This is an extremely important passage because it summarizes a consequence of individualism on a more personal level. You cannot make a difference without other people. This works to enhance the author's claim that collectivism, especially in times like this, should be the driving factor in people's actions. to the necessity for a change in the individualist mentality, stating, The U.S. must start to question whether there is no society is a particularly effective philosophy for running a society, and where we'd like to be on the spectrum between every man is an island and in this together. Because if you ask American workers, most actually would prefer not to be an island. Just ask yourself what's scarier to hear right now. I'm from the government and I'm here to help, or you're on your own. In this passage, the author summarizes her argument, explaining that times like these only work to highlight the truth that has been relevant throughout history. In times of fear and ambiguity, people would rather be helped and work together than alone. This passage references one of President Reagan's quotes from earlier in the article, when he explained that the nine scariest words are, I am from the government, and I am here to help. But as the coronavirus takes a toll on society, the problems with individualism are only exacerbated, and this overly simplified perspective is put to rest. 
It's important to consider the responsibility for the U.S. to change its mentality because it's up to each and every person to do so. At the end of the day, a society cannot be created without the individual actions of those who make it up. And society is leaning to shift this perspective. The article writes, But American workers are starting to remember the power of togetherness. Every year for the past few years has had a record-breaking number of strikes and walkouts. And it's coalescing into something we haven't seen before this pandemic. Like the organized walkouts at multiple Amazon warehouses and fast food franchises simultaneously. There was even a work stoppage by Instacart shoppers and drivers who, like all gig economy workers, are independent contractors not technically allowed to collectively bargain. It's extremely important to remember that the shift to collectivism isn't simply a radical idealist agenda, but rather a prominent change that is actually happening in real time. Without remembering the power of protests and unity, one cannot grasp how to assist in the shift. It's increasingly important to remember that there are always actions that can be taken to create a unified society. It's just a matter of if people are willing to do so. As with my other podcasts, it's important to boil this information down into a few big questions. First, why is individualism or the mentality that the U.S. holds right now, a problem. Number two, what is a better alternative? And lastly, are people working to make this shift? First, as explained throughout this podcast, individualism is the idea of working alone and prioritizing the growth of oneself over group. However, the author of the Vox article addressed explains that there are two major downfalls to this mentality. First, this idea ignores the larger problems in society, such as this pandemic or climate change. Without a society, these problems cannot be addressed on a large scale. Not only this, but individualism creates the idea, which has large amounts of truth to it, that change cannot be made on a personal level, since an individual doesn't have the power that a society does to hold great influence over a situation. An alternative to this, the article explains, is collectivism, or even a middle ground between the two. Collectivism was defined at the beginning of this podcast, but to circle back to it, it's the idea that a society should be prioritized over the individual, because it has the power to instill the greatest amount of positive change. Collectivism is therefore a better alternative to individualism because it can set the framework for tangible change and because, at the end of the day, in a time of need, such as the pandemic we are facing, People would rather be helped by their peers than forced to fend for themselves. Lastly, the shift to collectivism is occurring in today's society. 
This adjustment can be seen through the increase in protests, walkouts, and strikes by employees in the front lines of this pandemic. Workers are realizing that they too have power and influence, and are using it to inform large corporations that their rights are being violated, and that they refuse to be treated in this way. It's important not to silence these battles, since they are paramount in initiating the change that must occur. Switching the dialogue. For this week's podcast, I conducted an interview with Megan Shaughnessy, a professor in the History and Politics Department of Regis University. I asked her a few questions about how this pandemic has adjusted how she works. Hello, Professor Shaughnessy. Thank you very much for joining the fourth episode of COVID Quarantine. With the coronavirus pandemic responsible for closing Regis University, you had to make the shift to online learning. What are the greatest differences between teaching online versus in the classroom? You know, it's a completely different experience. Um, in the classroom, I can sort of read the room and and how students are doing and whether they're engaged. And it's much more, in, in a way, informal and it's much easier to lead discussions in the classroom. So I'd say it's just a completely different situation. Acknowledging the challenges present with online teaching, are there any benefits of it, perhaps that were not available while in the classroom? I guess maybe the one benefit might be that students don't have to travel to get to class. Shifting the conversation a little, how are you collaborating with coworkers while working from home? You know, I'm not, and it's been a real, um, it's been, that's been a significant difference. We actually haven't had any department meetings since this started. We have been, you know, communicating over email somewhat, but I haven't actually spoken to any of my, my peers. And lastly, how does your experience with teaching college students online compare or contrast with what grade school teachers may be experiencing? Oh my gosh, I feel bad for the grade school teachers. I can only imagine the challenges that they must face, you know, just in sheer, in terms of like the students being able to access the technology. Um, you know, obviously my students are very tech savvy and so I don't think they have those barriers. Um, also, you know, our classes are fairly short and they can do a lot more work on their own. So I think it's a completely different situation. Thank you very much, Professor Shaughnessy. You're welcome. with a professor about the challenges facing constantly adjusting working conditions during the coronavirus pandemic, and we've addressed the negativity associated with the United States' perspective that individualism should be prioritized over collectivism. But how are these ideas united? In a time like this, it is extremely important to remember that it is happening to everyone. While the severity of the virus differs between people, this pandemic has influenced everyone and will continue to do so in the future. This is the sheer argument of collectivism. We are united more than we are divided. 
and we must work together to implement the change we know should occur. That's all for this week's episode on COVID quarantine. Make sure you tune in next week.